On this episode, we'll be joined by writer-director Matt Parks and comedian-actor James Mullinger. We'll talk about their mutual love of VHS and B-movies, but also a little bit about what's inspired their upcoming film, The Minister. So sit back, sip your poison, and enjoy the ride. I'm Kalen Capson, and this is the Peggy Place Podcast. VHS. Big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what spurred that on? Which I'm sure is what led into you making this movie. So, <laughs> so for me, what happened is uh, I started collecting VHS tapes around when I was like 13 or 14. And then uh, I kept collecting them and collecting them. And then around 99, 2000, DVDs started coming out. And uh, I didn't feel like switching over. And then when DVDs came out, VHS tapes got even cheaper. So I just started buying even more and more and more. And then as time passed, they just got cheaper and cheaper and cheaper to the point now where you can buy them for a quarter, 50 cents, a dollar, never more than a dollar. And so that's how I have this massive VHS collection that I absolutely love. And now I'm at a point where I have everything mainstream pretty much. So I'm now I look for obscure stuff. Mm-hmm. So I can mostly only buy on the internet. So in England, there's this whole collecting it's it's become a phenomenon now uh, whereby in the 1980s there was the the video nasty craze when basically the margaret thatcher government decided that uh, about 80 movies were deemed to be obscene and would uh, corrupt our youth and needed to be banned and banned in a way that meant that they were and it was i mean now looking back it's insane there's documentaries about this and i, I implore anyone to look this up this video nasty furor because video shop owners were going to jail for renting out or even possessing movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Evil Dead, The Exorcist. I mean, now it just absolutely boggles the mind to think about it. Now, of those 80 movies, 90% of them are not quality horror movies like the three I just mentioned. A lot of them, it's varying degrees of success from, you know, um, Blood Feast through to I Spit on Your Grave to uh, you name it, um, Don't Go in the Woods. What's odd about most of them is even though some of them are are fairly nasty and savage, you know, uh, exploitation, movies a lot of them are very tame certainly by today's standards uh, but what it created was this incredible craze for me as a teenager to buy bootleg pirate videos of these movies and it was everyone's mission to see these movies they'd been banned I mean we would never have heard of these movies if it wasn't for the fact they'd been banned and so it was my mission as a kid to get to see these these movies now of course they're coming out on on blu-ray so now now you know age 41 years old I have this the same goal as I had when I was 11, which is to collect this movie now on Blu-ray, remastered, but also to own the original VHS uh, tape of it, which um, invariably costs way more than really anyone should be spending on a dusty old VHS tape. they literally pulled them off the shelves at yeah. one point. So yeah. a lot of people, like, they would have gone right in the garbage. So there's just a lot of those movies in the UK 
are really rare. And yeah, so there was this period where you could maybe find them at car boot sales or yard sales or garage sales. But to answer your question, what got me into it, all of this, VHS really, was... And I'd say even now, like my favorite thing to do is to sh- shop for VHS, to sit in my, my loft with my tapes. And I think it definitely, you know, without wanting to get too philosophical, stems back to kind of not having many friends as a teenager. I was, I was a fairly sick child. So I spent a lot of time uh, without friends and without, I wasn't very academic, I wasn't very sporty. And I had no friends, I was kind of a triple bill of failure for my parents. I had the full set of losing them going on. So you've got, you've got time on your hands. And how I spent my time was in video shops, looking at these beautifully designed, garish covers. So I mean, a perfect example of a movie that I loved the artwork for was Martin Scorsese's After Hours which I mean is still one of my favorite movies um I think when I first saw it as a kid I didn't quite get it but I stared at that artwork for years before my parents would actually allow me and so part of what I now uh consider a luxury being a grown-up is uh going on eBay and looking for the movies that I used to look at a lot of all the UK releases too they all had a uh, different artwork usually mm. oh, right, and it yeah. was usually more like artwork rather than a photo cover in the UK, I've yes, noticed. That's yeah, that's it. And that's why in a lot of cases, oh, I mean, for us going to, and I, age 11 or 12, my dad first took me to like a, a, a movie fair, which in, in England, they're not quite like conventions here where they have, you know, big stars and people come dressed up. It's basically just in a basement and it's just uh, loads of, guys like me there with just piles of VHS on a table on movie stills or posters and it's funny that at 10-11 that's how I was, my happiest times were spent in a basement digging through boxes of VHS and at 41 that is still my favourite thing to do <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> segwaying into The Minister I was really into uh, the action movies mm. like Schwarzenegger uh, Sylvester Stallone you know Wesley Snipes this kind of stuff like your A-list you know big time Hollywood action movies but there's only so many of those, you know. Mm. They would only put out, you know, maybe five a year. Yeah. So to fill in the void, there was these hundreds of action movies that were, like, low budget with, like, these different stars, like Michael Dudikoff from, like, American Ninja. Say American Ninja. Or, like, um, Gary Daniels was a big one. But, yeah, there was this whole host of other, like, if you have the Expendables today, basically, yeah. there was this whole team of B-level yeah. Expendables back in the early 90s so i got into those movies quite a bit yeah they're pretty great like there's usually uh some ridiculous tropes in them like some of them are like martial arts movies so like cynthia rothrock will be a cop or something and she'll like stop this mugger and so the mugger might have a gun or something and he'll like throw it down (laughs) so they can like kung fu fight fight in the alley yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, just weird things i mean i think (laughs) and like every two-bit criminal in like los angeles in like 1991 knew like like martial arts yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah, true but only done very slowly right mm-hmm. it was always done it was always done it was very slow martial arts and i think that's what the genius of say the genius of and why movie fans or vhs fans or you know 90s action fans loved you know pulp fiction so much because yeah. every the main trope of those movies generally and i'm thinking of raw dale here as a perfect example is the opening scene is two hitmen you know arrive at a place uh, kill someone 
And then you don't see those two hitmen again. And the genius of Pulp Fiction was it took those hitmen and you spent two and a half hours, albeit, you know, uh, joint, you know, cut up with other things going on. But you basically spent time with those hitmen. Right. And it's like, yeah, what? And, and I used, because I had fucking time on my hands because I was sick at home and, or because I was weird or whatever, I would watch movies like Raw Deal. And when, it, when the two hitmen would come and whack someone and then leave, I'd be like, well, what are they up to now? What now? What now? Like, do they go for breakfast? And that is a sign, actually, of how excited we are to be here right now. The fact that right now is the first screening any, uh, anywhere in Canada, 7 p.m. Thursday, of the new Tarantino movie. And rather mm-hmm. than being there, we're here talking about the minister. That's exactly. how much we love the minister. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the power of great cinema, or certainly, and again, again I, I don't even know if great cinema is the right phrase because of the fact that everyone has their own thing that blows them away. Mm. You know, I mean, Pulp Fiction is one of the only instances I can think of where, as a movie fan, I agreed with critics like invariably mm-hmm. every time oscar season comes around and there's the movies that are getting five stars in every newspaper i know i'm going to be bored shitless uh-huh. by 80 percent of them yeah. and and the movies that they give terrible i mean here's a perfect example and, and this is the weird disconnect between critics and you know real fans is that i went to see three or four oscar movies and i've got to go and see i've got to see all the oscar movies and i'd fallen asleep in all of them and then the hitman's bodyguard with, with ron Reynolds and samuel jackson came out it got a one-star review everywhere, and people were saying that it fetishized violence, and it's not funny, and it's just, just repeating the word motherfucker isn't funny, and all this. And it, every, every single review I read was slagging it off. And my wife and I went to the Tuesday night, cheap night, $2 at the, at the St. John Cineplex, and I just had the most fun in the two hours that I'd had in ages. And what really hit me was, and this is what I love about film and, and, and B-movie style movies, and, uh, and I stood mm-hmm. up and looked around the auditorium, and there's just 300 other people there with big shit-eating grins on their faces. And I thought, this is, is this a room full of hard-working, decent people come for one night out, paid for a babysitter, and that movie entertained them. No offence to those great Oscar movies that I just mentioned, but n- they would have just sent the, everyone to tears. And that, to me, is, is what fun movies are about. And it's why I like trauma movies, it's why I like B-movies, it's because I want to be entertained. I don't want to, if I want to sit there and admire something for being a beautiful piece of art, I'll look at a painting. I don't need to see three hours in black and white (laughs) of silent movies. You know what I mean? That's um, basically my benchmark for what movies I want to see is what gets one star in all the big broadsheet (laughs) fancy newspapers, right? So when The Guardian in England is giving Polar one star and saying this is just wall-to-wall senseless violence, I'm like... Boom! That's five stars to me, right? That's that, yeah. That's the movie. the the trauma movie that is premiering with the minister next week is um, the Return to Newcombe High Part Two, which the New York Times actually reviewed. And again, they gave they said you know vile, shocking, despicable. Now, of course, I mean that's a to trauma. That's a compliment. Um, it's also a massive compliment that the New York Times would even bother to review a trauma exactly. film. Exactly. But of course, right. um, uh, what was genius with Lloyd Lloyd Kaufman, the creator of trauma and the director of of all the Newcombe movies, re posted it saying the New York Times wants you to see this and it's like yeah if they're telling us this movie is despicable <laughs> offensive the most diabolical it's like yeah that's that's a good review no. and I think that's what um that's how, and that's basically how Matt and I became friends and, and got to know one another was a at that time we were certainly the two biggest VHS collectors within the city. Absolutely. In we St. John, for sure. Yeah, scrambling over, you know, uh, what would be at Value Village. And I knew if I got there and there was nothing there, I knew this bastard had just been in and nothing <laughs> in him, right? Microwave massacre. Yes, yeah. I know. Still, <laughs> that still burns that he got microwaves. I, I still don't even have that. Um, 
really funny too. Yeah, so that's um, that's it's, how we kind of bonded was knowing, and then started. Yeah, so tapes. yeah, I noticed on Facebook or whatever that he collected VHS tapes, and I was like, what? <laughs> you know, because it is kind of a obscure thing oh, to yeah. collect. Like it is kind of niche. And I think this is what it kind of means to be a B movie fan is that if you told me that George Clooney was in the room next door, I wouldn't give a shit. I wouldn't even get up to go and have a look. But if you told me that I could fly to Calgary and meet the, the guy that played Jason in the third Friday the third, I'd get on a plane and go. Yeah. Right, and that's the like that, a cane and, holder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's the kind of difference. That's the um, that's the kind of fan level love. And 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 I, and I think you see it like when people post that there's these VHS things happening. It might not be you know thousands of people like Comic Con, but it's a hundred very passionate people. And uh, and yeah, that's um, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's definitely like a cult sort of community. Definitely. Yeah. love of VHS which is obviously what led into making the minister was there any other background influences or are you just like you know what uh, yeah there is so there is actually more. there's uh like I said a lot of the influences are from the early 90s but there is a lot more like one of the big influences on the minister is um is uh this kind of like this subgenre of revenge film where the guy is a Vietnam vet 
his family is murdered or his daughter's murdered or and it's always a vietnam vet there's like rolling thunder and there's like the executioner or the exterminator yeah, exterminator. yeah. and it's combat shock as well which yeah is quite combat a, shock. Quite a mental trauma combat one, shock is actually a, t- a trauma movie and it yeah. was actually a pretty big influence mm-hmm. on the minister for sure it's about a guy that's in nam and, and he gets all fucked up with with uh, murdering, you know, children and women. And, as you and, do. And, and, as you do. And the, and the Agent Orange and everything. Does, yeah. And the Agent Orange, he comes back and is, he has this mutated son because he was exposed to Agent Orange. Yeah, it's really quite <laughs> it's disturbing really, it one. Is. Like, it's not, yeah, it, it's interesting for trauma. It's quite... It's quite a serious. It's, it's yeah, kind it's of, quite. It's a semi-serious yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. It tackles uh, like some drug addiction. He comes back. His best friend is like, like this, her- like hopeless junkie, yeah. and uh, his uh, his niece is you know uh, pimping herself out on the street, and yeah. yeah. So he decides it's up to him to like clean up the community, kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So yeah. it's a similar storyline. That's that's the main influence for the minister's story. Yeah. I have a question for you, man. Obviously, like most of us, we all have ideas about things that it takes us a while to get around to doing. But I, I bet you were thinking about, for example, starting a podcast years before, or months at least, before oh, yeah. you started yeah, doing it, right? Yeah. yeah. And then and I, I certainly spent a long time thinking, almost anything I've ever done, I spent a lot of time. So you obviously, I'm guessing you've been thinking about doing a movie for five years, ten years. I ten years. Worked, yeah. And you'd worked on other movies with Jeremy Larton people. Mm-hmm. Can you remember the point and what was the impetus that went made you go I'm doing it yeah exactly I think it was it was more um, financial security I mm. think than anything else right. and the fact that I finally had a job where mm. I had enough extra money that I could do something like this right so you wouldn't end up homeless for making the film absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or like you know. because you have a very understanding and wonderful wife but she doesn't want to <laughs> no or like Kevin yeah. Smith yeah like Kevin Smith when he made Clerks mm. he racked up like something like a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt right yeah I'm not quite that confident <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. so I wanted to have the cash in hand I yeah, wasn't yeah, I wasn't gonna take out loans so uh, the budget overall was probably like eight or nine nine thousand dollars believe it or not for like 12 minutes but i saved up that all that money over 10 years yeah Yeah. so at the end of the day like some people might be like oh my god you spent eight thousand dollars on this piece of shit you know what i mean but i look at it this is my hobby yeah it's actually cheaper than a snowmobile if Certainly, yeah. If you've been out drinking every night with that, money, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, you true. do what most people yeah. would have spent yeah. on, on booze or cigarettes, exactly. You yeah. know, in 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 ten years, and um, and it's something that's going to bring people a lot of joy. And it brought me that's joy. True. Like yeah. the main reason I did this was for me. Mm. Yeah. Like I wanted to make I I just because I've always been obsessed with films and filmmaking and how they're made. So it was just something I always wanted to do. And one of the things is when you're from like a small town in New Brunswick, I find this is a thing. Like you, you, uh, you don't think you can actually do anything. It's kind of like ingrained in you. It's like a New Brunswick thing. It's like, uh, you know, if I went to my parents when I was like 17 and was like, I want to make movies, Mm. they would have been like, no, you don't. (laughs) And that's pretty much what it was. They were like, you know, no, I think you want to be an engineer. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I'll be an engineer, you know? Where, you know, somewhere like New York or Toronto or LA, like people see that people are actually actors and, you know, you can actually do this and you can, like, it is a, it is a legit career path in, yeah. in a lot of respects. But in New Brunswick, it almost seems like stuff like that is like a pipe dream. So that's the reason why I never pursued it as a career or anything. Right. I, I, I I felt I had to take the conservative route and become an engineer. But what's, that's what's nice about the, the community of 
people creating any type of content within New Brunswick is there is this really wonderful, warm, supportive uh, group yes, of people, yeah. yeah, who you know, Absolutely. who have 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 you know, you know, essentially grown up with that kind of you know thing where parents haven't necessarily said yes, you should, pursue, you should pursue arts, you, yes, you should, be, yeah, and um and and if, and and people have kind of found ways to make it work, and this is what was so nice, you know, the, certainly the atmosphere on the set of the minister, and almost anything that I've worked on in the, the short time that I've lived here, is there is this incredible, you know, supportive, mutually loving environment, yeah. which um doesn't necessarily exist and and uh, in other places mainly because uh, also because those industries are so big elsewhere exactly you know certainly in a place like London or Toronto if someone says right I want to make a movie there's hundreds of people that that they can turn to who are all in some way involved in that thing whereas here it's this kind of uh, niche tight network where everyone knows everyone the atmosphere on the set of the minister was a joyous one of just like-minded people doing something for the fun of it completely for fun it was just for a good time I mean I've been on sets in England and and again I mean both on, on Film, films that I've worked on in England and movie sets that I've visited as a, as a journalist and stuff and you see that in a lot of those cases you know when you watch those movies and you go how how did this get made how did how did people not realise it's a piece of shit the answer <laughs> yeah. is everybody knew it was a piece of shit they were there for the paycheck yes. and the, this is the thing that I love so much about the creative environment again the thing that I love about just the Canadian comedy industry as a whole is no, everyone knows they're not going to get rich off this. There are no Canadian comedian millionaires, so no one's not getting really. into right. There's, and, I mean, I mean, I mean, there are if, they, if they've gone to America, Mike Myers, but there's no Canadian comedian. So um, what it means is, is that if you get into comedy or any form of creative arts uh-huh. in New Brunswick or indeed for the most part in Canada. Um, you're doing it for the love of it. You're not doing it because right. you're a, a capitalist. You're not doing it because, you know, there, 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 there's, you know, million buckets of millions at the end of the tunnel. There ain't. You're going to live a very, uh, hard struggling life if you're doing it full time. And if you're doing it part time, it's still not going to be, you're doing it for the love. You right. walk into any dressing room or any podcast studio or any film set or any, uh, uh, backstage room where there's a band playing. And what you're surrounded with is not, greedy dicks or you're literally just surrounded by people that share the same passion yeah, as you yeah, for creativity absolutely. and, I, and I, I love that yeah, every time we go with the music community the art community mm. film community yeah. everything is absolutely and the other thing I should say when you were asking about what gave me the impetus to do it the other thing was uh, just purely confidence mm. too like there was a long time in my life when I just uh, I felt like so self conscious about like anything artistic. Mm. Yeah, because art is so personal. Like you're putting yourself out mm. there. You're 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 exposing yourself like a nerve. Mm. And um, I just I I couldn't do it until the last say five years. Like I right. just didn't have the uh, I don't give a fuck yeah. factor that I have now. Like like now I really don't care what anyone thinks. Yeah, this right. movie. Did you say you... I made it for myself, and I like it. And, and that's <laughs> yeah. so. And, and all great, all great art in and whatever medium is done for the right reason, which is the person wanted to create it. Anyone that's creating mm-hmm. a thing because they think it's going to make them rich and famous, exactly, it's going to be shit. Yeah. I think, well, The Godfather, I think, is the only instance of something that was <laughs> done as cash grabs and somehow ended up masterpiece. Apart from that, but it's true. It's um. You know, you've got to create things uh, for yourself because you because you love them. And it's interesting what you said about um, that thing about having the the confidence because it's weird. I mean, it took me many many years to have mm-hmm. the confidence to do any type of performance, and certainly you know anything like stand up. I mean, I, I never did plays at school. I had no there was no signals that's what I was going to get into. I mean, I've told the story before, so I hope you both haven't heard it and you're bored of it. But the 
the the thing that gave me the impetus to do stand-up for the first time was actually on a visit to St. John almost 10 years before I even moved here. And I went, and I was very, you know, I was having like a quarter-life crisis. I was drinking too much. I was unhappy. Didn't like my job. Didn't like living in London. Um, nothing was going my way. And we came here on, in 2004 to visit my, my wife's parents and went to the Water Street Dinner Theatre just down the road from here at Steamers mm-hmm. and watched this production. And I was like so jealous of these kids going, my God, like they're, they're on stage. They're the stars. We're laughing. And to me, I never, I've never looked at performers as like, this is one stage and this is Vegas and this is an arena. This is, for me, it's just like, are you doing it or not? And I looked at these and I was so jealous. And I was like, and then I thought, how pathetic am I being jealous of these mm-hmm. people when they're, I'm, and I haven't even tried. It's not like I've tried, in fact, I hadn't even tried. And I find that the odd thing that's, and you said about putting yourself out there and, and what that does to you is that I'm going to build up this thing there where I can come on the set of the minister and before I would, would be terrified in any, doing any type of film work. Um, but I just felt like we're here to have fun. Um, Matt knows I'm a terrible actor, so it doesn't, you know, so, you know, thing that I found... He's still the best actor in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't let people be the judge, don't say that! Before seen it. Um, but I, um, I, th- I think I found that doing stand-up has almost made me more insecure and shy in social situations because of the fact that I taught myself this job, which is walk up on the stage and do this thing. And then it makes me almost more insecure because I'm more worried when I meet people that they're, that they're going to go, fucking hell, this guy's boring. And then, so I get now get more anxiety about social situations than I do out of performing in front of a thousand people, which yeah. is a weird dichotomy. Which, that. You know, that's a common thing, though, because I've <laughs> right. musicians I talk to mm-hmm. at a party, they're the, the quiet person in the corner. Right. And Even then you if you them- tell them, here's a guitar, play a tune, they won't. Yeah. But put them on a stage and they can shut something else off and something else turns on and that's that's exactly it and you just hit nail on the head I, I literally haven't heard it uh, described that well before because people always say to me uh, do you get nervous and 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 it, I'm not nervous about the like I now to do the job like I like coming onto the set of the minister I, I knew I knew the lines I knew I you know, knew what I was doing Matt had told me what the situation was when I walk on stage I know what the, the jokes are my my nerves all stem from the fact of what if I walk out and for whatever reason that switch doesn't click mm. because night after night it does and and tonight I've got a gig in an hour I know I'll be standing at the back of the room and I'll just be this guy standing there going fucking up I've, you know this is and then and then suddenly I'll introduce my name and then something clicks and you walk out and you just do this thing that you can't quite understand and you come off and and, and then you go back to just being your normal self um, so my fear is always what if I walk out and it's just me there switch and, over yeah and I'm like uh, and all that happens is your brain just goes what's this ridiculous it's like a thousand people and then you just say what, what are you going to do and, and yeah, yeah. Uh, like that's always the fear what if, but yeah it's a weird thing that that, that switch thing being clicked which um, yeah I, I don't know if it's possible to know what brings it and what doesn't um, I've had it uh, no. once briefly, briefly when it unflicked luckily during a laugh I, I was doing a show at the Fredrickson Playhouse and luckily it was quite a big laugh and it, and it started and I guess it was maybe my body my, or my mind trying to let me enjoy the moment because I never really mm-hmm. enjoy it's not that I don't enjoy when I'm up there but I'm not up there obviously thinking oh my god this is amazing you're just up there doing it and you come mm-hmm. off and there's no kind of like but for a brief moment I switched out and went into and, and it was terrifying and actually to a second I'm like wow this is amazing and I'm like oh my god 
get me where you had I get back yeah. and then I was oh back God, I'm yeah. on a stage in front of all these yeah, people but, um, <laughs> next week so they're on the August the 9th mm-hmm. St. John's Theatre Company uh, BMO Theatre the minister will premiere alongside the Atlantic Canadian premiere it's the world premiere of the minister and it's the Atlantic Canadian premiere of Return to Newcomb High Volume 2 the, the return two was so good they had to make a second one. <laughs> oh, and then uh, Lloyd Kaufman, the uh, genius behind yes. Troma, has kindly filmed a special intro oh, wow. just for this. Of the totally personalized. Personalized name like, checking, the minister and he everything. Did toxic Avenger. He directed yes, Toxic Avenger. He invented Avenger, exactly. the Toxic okay, Avenger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He did Return to Newcomb High. Yeah, he yes. seems a very uh, approachable. So, so I was thinking like he would I, do like some kind of an iPhone video, like, hey. Yeah, but they professionally This is it. like a real. It's like one of his intros uh, to one of his DVDs. Yeah. And I mean, I, he was my hero from about the age of 10 or 11. My dad gave me a copy of the Dark Side magazine, which is still my favorite. Oh, it's, it's, it's 10 years old. I mean, the Dark Side magazine. 41. I just bought the new issue today at uh, Indigo. A British magazine produced by a movie fan out of his home in England. And for some reason, it's in Indigo and St. John. You can get it. Crazy. Absolutely awesome mag. And it's just always just like trashy horror. It's exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and in at age 10, 11, there was a special on trauma movies. And it was just listing and reviewing all of them. And I read them and I'm like, oh my God, this is, th- these movies are for me. And that was actually what set off. And I still have that exact copy. It's all dogged because I would That's carry awesome. it around England, just scouring video shops. And I have a huge, I have like 10 different copies of the Toxic Avenger, the Japanese one, the German one, the Polish one, the Dutch oh one. Yeah, I mean, I've got, yeah, go on to my Instagram. If anyone's listening is, is interested in this shit, which let's face it, if you're still listening to us drone on about VHS, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. Um, uh, so it's at Tromaville Citizen and um, on Instagram and on Facebook. So to have Lloyd Kaufman, and I, again I mean I, I used to write to him as a kid and, and I used to do it the first magazine I ever made was like I was 13 or 14 I made a trauma fanzine wrote to him he was such an amenable guy agreed to meet me at the at the UK premiere of Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town I couldn't believe my life I'm like 14 years old I just watched that a couple uh, weeks oh, ago it's amazing master yeah. um Go up to this premiere, he's 14, interview my hero. And then here we are again, 30 years later, he's filmed an intro for the, for the movie. They've had this at the St. John Theatre Company where <laughs> people have been phoning up and saying, oh, I hear that nice young English comedian has a movie. Uh, can we buy tickets? And they're like, wow. wow. <laughs> exactly. What kind of movies do you like? Because if you're expecting a fucking Notting Hill, Richard Curtis, Love Actually, yeah. because he's got a British accent, it's not that. It's not. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're right. And it's that thing yeah. where you don't want... Also, I mean, that's just, and I hope Lloyd doesn't take offence to this, but yes, I mean, I, I think he, Lloyd, if he was listening, would be very happy to that people could potentially walk out. The last film I was in, I had a, 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 a dildo in my mouth and I had to sit through that with my parents so uh, you know uh, nothing will shock them anymore no it, it, a, a dildo that had in, in the context of the scene obviously this hadn't happened in real life but in the context of the scene had recently snapped off in my ass. that was the context of that joke um and it's funny, I mean, I'm glad you're laughing because uh, as I was saying it, I was thinking, yeah, it just doesn't sound as good as it read in the script, but, uh, but that's a good idea. But it's going to be, I mean, that, that's what's going to be fun about this night is um, there's going to be a mixture of people that are coming to support uh, a, a St. John, New Brunswick based uh, film. And I think that's one of the fun things, one of the things that I've been selling it to people who aren't into B-movies is is what a buzz they're going to get from seeing, you know, very visibly St. John's mm-hmm. sites. And a movie that also, of its type, that has never been made it before. I mean, but as I believe, there's not, apart from Anonymous Zombie, which was shot on the Kingston Peninsula, there's not been one with visible uptown 
uh, Uptown St. John's scene. So basically the first awesome. uh, thing of its kind. I'm sure you don't want to give away too much of the movie. But can you give us a little, a little gist? of? Oh, yeah, yeah, like a synopsis. Okay, so... That's what happened in the first 12 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so the idea is that it's made to look like it's a movie from the early 90s. Yeah. And so it takes place in a futuristic St. John in 1999 so the joke behind that is just how a lot of these movies in the 90s a lot of these sci-fi movies they would always take place in the future but it was never very far off (laughs) you know what i mean like blade runner is a little bit ambitious like that was actually made in 1980 and took place in 2019 but a movie like strange days uh took place came out in 1995 and took place in 1999 and they have like all these mind reading Mm -hmm. technologies and like so this this has like flying cars in it and and, you know there's spaceships and uh robots and cyborgs and and all these uh tropes of the future so the story is that it's a guy who uh he was a special forces soldier in vietnam uh killed a lot of people he was very good at it. This is background that's not even in the film because it's yeah. only twelve minutes long. It's important to know, but it the is. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, he um, he's in a he's in a he's in a, a serious pitch battle in Vietnam. They're trapped in a firebase, uh, firebase Gloria. It's a movie actually, and he's one of the only survivors. So all his friends are dead. He's killed all these people. So he has this transformative experience where he turns to Christ. So when he returns to As one does. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So when he returns to uh when he returns to St. John, he becomes uh he goes to university and he becomes a minister. So then eventually in 1999, he's happily he's around uh 49 years old, he's happily married. And then uh I love that a futuristic where else if you need a futuristic city that looks like 999 in the future, where else to shoot that but St. John, John now? <laughs> exactly. So uh <laughs> exactly. So uh, St. John is overrun by crime, um, and uh, his wife and child are murdered. He's filled with rage. He wants to get revenge on these people more than anything, but he can't because basically at this point, all he has left is his faith. His wife and child are dead, so he just he can't uh, give in to that urge to get revenge because it's against his Christian beliefs. So he turns to alcohol, he's a drunk, he's wandering the streets, and then an angel comes to him and gives him this offer that God has decided that St. John is basically like a modern-day Sodom, and it needs to be cleaned up through violence. So he gives him these two magical guns, and gives him a list of all the bad people in the city to kill, and so the minister goes out, and including the ones who killed his family. So then the minister heads out on this mission to kill all the bad people in St. John and return order to the city. Sweet. And there's yeah. a great And there's twist. a few twists and turns. Yeah, there's a and, great twist. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's essentially an action movie. And, yeah, uh, but there's, there's sci-fi elements, there's horror elements, uh, you know, all the... Uh, the lesser genres, they say. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. There's also com- the comedic elements aren't deliberately comedic. And I noticed uh, Lockstock Two Smoking Bells popped up on your uh, computer oh, yeah. screen over there. It's one of my favorite movies. If you like that movie, you will like the voice that I have put on for this film. Yes, it's very British gangster. Yeah, I put on the British show, and it's all done curious. very straight. Like this is all done like. Uh, There's no winks to camera. Yeah, like, it's all yeah. well a little bit, but yeah. it's all done very. Uh, you know, like it's done very seriously, but we're so ridiculous that you yeah. can't take it seriously. Yeah. you know what I mean. So 
You're self-aware. Yeah, mm-hmm. like all the jokes are, are basically... Most of the jokes are played off being serious, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Yeah. I like, can't wait to see there's it. Lots of, the... So it has all... The, it, I tried to fit as many tropes in there as I could. So there's like, you know... After as he, I would expect. Yeah, after he mm-hmm. kills someone, there's one-liners and, you know, like any of those action movie tropes. I tried to fit everything in there and I tried to subvert a few of the tropes and... Yeah, I so, think it'll be good fun. So after we see this reaction to it on Saturday the 9th, is the plan to put it into festivals? What What are the timings for short film in a festival? Uh, like, it's usually the... under 20, I think. Is it? Yeah, so theory, or, or, it's under 20 minutes. Yeah. 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 So in theory, you don't need to cut it. No, mm. no. You can add to it. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, so it's also done... Director's in, cut. So it's yeah. also like... Um, if you recall the fake trailers before the Grindhouse films that yeah. Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez did, it's done in that same style. It's done as a fake trailer. No trailers, 12 minutes. The idea was that I made it a, uh, it's kind of a twist on a video collecting thing where I made it a special trailer for video retailers. What I, have, they, I, I have videos like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. They would have these they would, yes, yeah. So it'd yeah, be like so a screener, would, but they would basically. So they would give like the film, a longer. Right. Um, trailer basically to try to sell the film to the video retailer and then also get them into buying the tapes in yeah but also so they could explain it to people who were coming in knowing that probably the viewers wouldn't get to watch every film was there anything last minute or anything that you wanted no just come if you're listening uh come out to the show on august 9th it's going to be a good time there's going to be a bar there uh, we're going to have drinks uh, through the movie. <laughs> the first two things yeah. that you used to promote. Yeah. Come to yeah. the yeah. John. Yeah. I, I, I've spent 10 years working on this movie. Uh, so come, there's a bar <laughs> and there'll be drinks. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. That, that's it. Yeah. And we're showing a movie. Yeah. And we're going to have some laughs. Yeah. yeah. So we'll watch, yeah, we'll watch the minister. We'll do yeah. a Q&A. Have some laughs, then we'll put on uh, Newcom High, and we'll wait, have some more laughs. And, um, uh, wait, do you think we'll show? We should show the Lloyd intro at the very beginning. Yes, yes. First Lloyd yes. Minister, Minister Q and A, and then as you say, drinks throughout. So wonderful. Yep. And thanks so, for having us, man. It'll be a cool experience. I've never drank in it. I've never drank in a movie theater before, so I'm oh, looking nice. forward to. Yeah. yeah. Have you not? No. Oh, I'm a I'm a big one for. If you see me walking to cinema with You've a plastic the... bag, that's <laughs> not candy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, because in England you can just drink in movie cinemas anyway. There's oh, bars okay. in oh, yes, because awesome. yeah, because I mean that. I mean, why well, not? Imperial does. You can. Drink, yes, that's true. You can drink in the Imperial. Yeah, but it's 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 such a weird. It's such an odd thing that Canadian drinking compared to English drinking is so civilized. So you don't need these strict rules. <laughs> in England, we need the rules because people behave like animals. They do. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you can drink anywhere. You know, it, yeah. it's like, and again, I mean, a really, like, why can't you buy a beer? Anyway, yes, there will be a bar in the St. John Nature Gallery. <laughs> there we go. Um, but yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you.
Hey, I'm Sharice Ledson. I'm Kate Milberry. From Strange Grooves. And you're listening to the Peg and Place podcast. Keep, Keep it, it strange. strange.